Today we're talking about worship. We're talking about engaging worship, passionate worship, authentic worship, and why we do it, and really what what it's all about. And uh, as we kind of sung that song right there, that that truth in that song that your grace is enough is really the foundation for all of worship. Because without the grace of God, without the mercy of God, we couldn't even worship. Without that forgiveness, without that compassion, without that relationship with Him, we wouldn't be able to worship. And so to be able to kind of declare that truth right up front is so huge. And once you've tasted the grace of God, once you've tasted that, it's so hard to go back. Once you've experienced that for real, in an ideal world, you just would never, ever bail on that. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, Brian and I got taken to a restaurant, a really nice restaurant, which was super cool because um, we didn't have to pay. And, uh, <laughs> and so I ordered lobster. And uh, I did. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And they were like, get whatever you want. And I'm like, all right, market price. Sweet. That's what I'm going for. And... Uh, no one's going to take you to, to no. anything after this. Yeah, no, I was so into it. Like, I, I'm kind of lukewarm on the lobster thing, but um, this looked like the place to have lobster if you're going to have lobster. And so I'm like, let's go. And it wasn't red lobster. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, I'll go for it. So um, ordered it. And the whole time I'm waiting, I'm just getting more and more anxious. My heart is beating rapidly. Then I see them start to bring it out. And I sweat is coming down my face. They rush over. They set this lobster down on the table. The heavens parted. Light shone down. Angels began to sing. I was in heaven. I ripped off a piece of that lobster and dipped it down in some butter. I put that in my mouth, you guys. And instantly, like from pure joy, my eyes welled up with tears. I'm not exaggerating. Some of you are there. Ryan, Ryan was to... just telling us. I kind of thought that was like you embellishing the story a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I didn't catch that part. But Ryan, just before he came out the service, he goes, no, he really like tapped me. And like I, yeah. Ryan was at dinner with us too. He goes, I, he was really crying. I really cried <laughs> over how good the lobster tasted. And... Uh, and the whole week, all I had to do was think about the lobster. And I was like, I'm good. I don't care what's going on in my life. I have the memory of lobster in my mouth. And um, you know that God's grace should do the exact same thing. That the taste of God's grace and mercy should trigger the same sort of response. And it is way more satisfying and amazing than anything that you could ever eat or ever experience. And based on that and that alone, it's so just appropriate that we would respond to how huge and powerful that truth is. And, and that response for us is worship. You've got um, the little deal here, uh, the kaleidoscope thing as you came in. These are kind of cool. And, and if you kind of like look through them, each one of them, I think they've got different designs. Um, Whatever you look through, if whatever you're looking at is just so much more beautiful, like when you're looking through this thing. Like if you look at Brian, it's, it's so much prettier than, than up close. And uh, 
Um, Seriously, really quick, just get Ron's head in there, okay? Yeah. Just only his head. Yeah, good luck. You, <laughs> mine won't even fit in one it of just, the... It blends all together. It's really deals. cool. You can get my forehead, maybe. Um, <laughs> but what if you began to pass your life through the filter of worship? That you began to view things around you constantly, constantly from the context of these are all these amazing gifts that God has given us to experience and to encourage us. That as you look through that filter, as you walk out these doors, I think it would be impossible for you to be living a life looking through this filter of worship and not be able to see the beauty and the power of God when you look at the mountains out there. It would be almost impossible for you to look at the person sitting next to you, your family members, through this filter of worship and not be able to see the handiwork of God and how he created this person next to you. And that's what it's like to live a disciplined life of worship. When you've tasted the grace and mercy of God and that real relationship with Jesus, how could you not sing from the depths of your soul When you really get that, when you really pause and forget about whatever your week was like, come in and really reflect on the truth of who God is and what Jesus has done for us, how could you not keep, how could you just keep yourself from singing? How could you shut your mouth in view of that truth? I don't think you could. Well, as we kind of continue in this thought of uh, engaging worship and all of that. Um, it's kind of cool because Brian and I get to do this segment here together. And it just really made sense um, to have our worship pastor be involved in the, the teaching as well of what worship's about. And I just so value his heart and uh, experience and knowledge in the area. And so, yeah. I feel naked up here, to be really honest. <laughs> no guitar to block you. Yeah, so weird. I, I end up doing weird things when I speak in front of um, people like this without my guitar behind me. The guitar's really easy because you can do the uh, the Phantom G thing where you know you just play a chord and you keep talking when you're nervous. But <laughs> when you don't have a guitar in front of you, you start doing weird things and yeah. start playing with your hair. And, yeah. so. You'll survive. So. I'll, it's good to, I'll just it's good look to be at you though. through this for a while and just make everything better. It's fun to go to the race. Ron and I went to the races yesterday. Yeah, we the, got the drag races. To drag races, which was really cool. They're very loud, um, extremely loud. And I wouldn't say, as a general like cultural thing, Brian and I necessarily fit in to the drag car culture. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of bubbas there at the at the. But that was Nothing fun. against the NHRA people. If you're in here and you like racing and that kind of stuff, I mean, more power to you. Yeah, I, we were I, there. We I liked it. it. I mean, yeah. it's cool. But. Yeah. Just, they all are looking at me like, where did this guy come from? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm just down the street. <laughs> oh, man. It was good. Well, as we um, continue this morning, the question that I really think we should answer is, why do we sing? Why do we worship? What, what, what are the answers to that? And I imagine you could come up with a million different responses to that question. 
But we're just going to look at one simple verse in this segment right now and uh, just discuss that a little bit and get some answers about why we do sing. And so if you have your Bible this morning, it's in Psalm 71. Psalm is, Psalms is about right dead center in your Bible. Um, and uh, Psalm 71 is where you want to be. Um, if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, there's some for free in the lobby on your way out if you want to snag one. Um, uh, but for right now, stuff will be up on the screen for you too. Psalm chapter 71, verse 23. It says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have redeemed. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. The psalmist here has got a hold, I think, of a discipline of worship. Uh, David's writing this, and I don't think that he thought worship was just something that you came and, and to church and sang a little bit and then it was done. But worship was a discipline that you cultivated and carried with you everywhere you went. And so here he, he acknowledges this kind of cause and effect with worship. That if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. And, and so he, he was very much aware that there was a discipline of, of worshiping God that needed to take place. He says, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. He knew that if he began to sing praises to God, if he began to worship God musically, then his lips would shout for joy. The reality is, you guys, a, a lot of times, I heard a pastor talking about this recently that I really respect, and it just really hung with me. There's, there's times where you come into church and you're ready to worship. There's times where you come in these doors and you really want to. You want to sing the songs. You know you need it. You're just ready to embrace it and go for it. And then there's other times where you come in and you don't feel like doing it at all. And so... Developing a discipline of worship is really important because according to this psalm right here, if you just start to sing the words, then you will feel like it. So whether you came in today ready to go, or maybe you came in today going, you know, I'm just, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like singing at all. Well, the discipline of worship says that the longer that you do that, if you just start to mouth the words, if you start to really engage, then your heart will catch up and you will begin to feel like it. it it'll start to just envelop you um, all, all the way over. And um, it's like when you get a, a song stuck in your head. Um, it, it's always a bummer when you get a bad song stuck in your head. Like I had a Britney Spears song stuck in my head a couple of weeks ago, and it just, I wanted Can to we like hear it? drive off a clip. No, you can't <laughs> hear it. No. Oh, I thought I'd try. Yeah, no. Um, it, it, it was awful. And so I just, I couldn't hang with it too long. So it's almost like the Hanson song that continues to be stuck in my head because of you. Anybody, anybody Hanson fan? Ron's a Hanson fan. Cl- closet Hanson fan. He even has a t-shirt from the concert that he went to. Oh. It's true. There were four males at that concert, and three of them were on stage. And then that was an embarrassing moment. 
You gotta, you gotta love Hanson. If you're a fan, um, then uh, it's like being a Christian. You take persecution for it, but it's worth it. Uh, Sorry, I just feel like this morning is also about exposing some things about about Ron yeah, too. Thank, so thank you for that. Yeah, too. you're right. I appreciate it. <laughs> but. When, when you get that thing stuck in your head, you just can't get it out of your head. It's just a, it's a drag. But the opposite is also true. When the word of God, the principles of God, the truths of God, the songs of God get stuck in your very soul, I think it really impacts your ability to live this worshipful life outside of there. And there are songs that are so rich in the truths of God that, that it's huge. Um, several years ago and a couple of youth groups ago for me, there was a song called Overwhelmed that um, uh, was just a, a really powerful song. And every single time we sang that with our youth group, at least 20 kids would give their life to Jesus. It was the most amazing thing to watch God just kind of flood through the truth of this song. And then just a couple of weeks ago at Camber, we sang that song and I hadn't sung it in quite a while. And, uh, I was instantly taken back to that sanctuary with 300 kids just on their faces, weeping, aware of the truth of what they were singing. And, and I, and then I was reminded through that song of God's power to work in the hearts of people that came through a, a song about, um, I don't know, six to eight weeks after my dad passed away, I was at a worship event and, uh, it was one that I wasn't really feeling up to going to, um, after losing my dad, I just wasn't in the mood to worship much at all. It was definitely one of those moments where I didn't feel like it and, uh, went anyway. And Matt Redman came out to lead worship and Matt writes a lot of the songs that we sing here. And uh, Matt introduced that night for the first time a song called Blessed Be Your Name. And here, six weeks after losing my dad, Matt's singing this song, and there's a reoccurring line in that song that says, You give and you take away. You give and you take away. Yet my heart will choose to say, Blessed be your name. And um, it wrecked me. It was, it was one of those things where... Uh, it was the last thing on the planet that I wanted to say. I did not want to declare, oh God, you took my dad away. Well, you gave him to me, but now you took him away. Well, blessed be your name. That, that is so far from where my heart was at. And yet after a second or third time of singing that, I just felt the healing of God flood through me like, like crazy. And that happened through song. There's a reason that vast majority of the Bible, um, well, I don't know, maybe that's a strong statement. A lot of the Bible is written in poetry. It's very musical in nature. The Bible isn't all just a, it's not some shop manual. It's not just a bunch of information to fill our heads with. It was also, we need to use our brains, our intelligence to embrace this relationship with Jesus. But... To, to be a Christian, to develop this walk and develop, certainly develop a discipline of worship, it means letting your heart be ignited. 
And there's something about poetry, something about music that dives right in to your very soul. So at some point, even if you don't feel like it, you start to say the words and long enough, God will catch your heart up and you will feel like it. And maybe that's a reason why we don't sing sometimes too, because we know if we sing it, then we're going to feel that way. And a lot of times we just don't want to feel that way. And yet that's where the very healing of God can come in. And so why do we sing? I think it's so huge here because like with that Blessed Be Your Name song, that's the furthest thing from what I wanted to be on my mouth at that moment. But it's exactly what I needed to declare. And so answering the question, why do we sing? I think one of the many reasons is, is that we sing because we need to have great words put on our lips. We need to have good things put on our lips and our mouths. And uh, with the weeks that you and I have, I don't know about the stuff that comes across your lips. I'm sure there are some things that are incredibly good and worshipful. And then some things maybe that aren't so much. For me, the vast majority seems to lie like right in the middle. Just kind of neutral. Kind of almost useless. And yet, we desperately need on these days to come in and to have good words put on our lips. Um, I think good words are, are lasting words. There's so much stuff that just is like come and go, chit-chat, and things that we discuss that really don't matter. But to have these pretty lofty, intense, and powerful statements of faith show up in these songs, we desperately need to be thinking those things, speaking those things. Um, That's why this guy's job is not just music leader guy. He doesn't come up and just strum with some songs, but he's our worship pastor has shepherded us into the presence of God. And he has this anointing, this calling on his life To have God flood through him to put good words on your lips and my lips. That's a that's a huge calling. It's a it's a high calling. It's an important thing. It's a special thing. It's something that we desperately need. And we need it here on Sundays, and we need it every single day as we go out from here. So many good theology songs out there. Um like that How Great Is Our God song that you were telling me about and the inhale-exhale thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, as I look at worship songs and as I design and kind of think through, because our services are so short, you know, it's becomes a, it becomes quite a process in, in terms of planning and, and that kind of stuff because <coughs> there's so many of us and God's just doing such amazing things here. But um, one of the things that I, the, one of the grids that I run kind of through as, I, as I'm even picking songs for, um, for a gathering time is, is, is just like, what, what kind of truth is this saying about God? You know, um, what, what are, the, are there, are there theological roots in what we're singing? You know, are we just singing fluff or are we singing these massive truths about God? And I think a, a great, a great song, a great picture of that is, um, how great a modern picture of that is how great is our God? You know, I've heard it said that worship is an, is the inhale and the exhale of God. And, and it's breathing God in with those words. You know, the chorus on, on how, I mean, the verses on um, 
on that song, How Great Is Our God, says, The splendor of a, of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth bow down. You know, he wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. You know, it says all these things, and then it gets to the chorus, and it's like the exhale. And we just say, How great is our God? We breathe in the truth of God, and we breathe out just the anthem of God, just to say, How great is our God? And, and I think in so many ways, um, I, it's, it's an interesting piece that last service we talked a little about the theology of worship. And I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a Baptist back, any Baptists in the house this morning? Yeah. Okay. The first time you raised your hands, uh, which is good. Congratulations. Uh, I'm just kidding with the G's, <laughs> but you know, I, I grew up with these, the, the deep, um, deep root and understanding of, of the hymns of the church, you know, Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new or old underneath the sun. So in God's eyes, these are all, it's all worship. So there's these timeless songs and these hymns. And, you know, often we do sing a hymn around here. Um, And for me, it comes from my roots. It comes from, from where I was. And a lot of times I believe that these songs allow us to identify with where we are. Maybe it's a circumstance we're in. And maybe you're in this room and you've been a part of singing the hymns. And they have, a, they, they have a memory. They have almost a fragrance to them as we sing them. You know, I think of songs like How Great Thou Art and It Is Well With My Soul. Songs like Amazing Grace. You know, it's just awesome songs that just say so, they say so much about who God is and who we can be in Christ. And for some of us, I mean, I just think what a shame that we would forget about those old songs that, that hold so much truth in them. But also I would say to that, what a shame for us not to embrace the new. What a shame for us to, to forget that God is still moving actively today. And to forget about those things would be a very tragic moment in the life of our church. And so I, I kind of, you know, for a while there, back in the late 90s, kind of early millennium. Is that what you say? Early millennium? Is that what you say? Early 2000s? That's kind of weird. Um, but there was this, there's like these situations going on in the church, um, stylistically and we talked a lot about the pendulum swinging and kind of back in the mid nineties, I remember when praise songs started coming into my, my church back in Ukaipa and, and you know, a lot of them were just really fluffy. They just didn't really have a lot of the Baptists call it meat. They didn't have a lot of meat to them, you know, they're just kind of these, I mean, they were, they were good. They were good, good songs, but it just didn't have a lot of truth in them. You know, it just kind of felt good to sing them. And, uh, I'm just encouraged today. I got, I've, I've had the chance to meet a, a lot of the songwriters of the songs that we sing. And um, the guy that wrote Your Grace is Enough um, is a really good friend of mine. And he's actually a Catholic. <laughs> Go figure. And uh, I mean, it's not a knock on Catholics. But I, I just think, the, and, and it's, it's an amazing, I think it's an amazing thing that Matt's doing um, within, the, within the Catholic community. And there's a, there's a, a, a cooperation of people that are moving throughout the Catholic Church to re-evangelize it. And I say, man, we ought to get behind that. We ought to support that. We ought to say, it's about the grace. I mean, a Catholic guy wrote, your grace is enough. Remember your people, God. Remember your promise. Great is your faithfulness. It's through Jesus that your grace is enough. We're covered in his love. These massive truths of, of theology. And I hope that as a church, we, we don't swing to one side or the other side in terms of the pendulum, but that we embrace both things, the old and the new. We can just maybe grab that pendulum right in the middle and, and value both of those things um, intently. And so that's just a couple of my thoughts on the theology of worship and, and even some of the things that are happening um, around the world um, with, with these songs. And that, 
I'm encouraged by the songwriters of today and, and where things are heading. We just are saying some, we're saying some amazing, amazing things about our God as we sing. So, mm-hmm. the, A lot of you have heard this before, but a lot of the original hymns um, that have been a tradition of the church for such a long time were actually written, the lyrics were written to old bar tunes. Um, and they were, and and the thinking was that if you were, you know, getting drunk in some pub somewhere and happened to wander out and stumble down the street and wander into a church, the music would sound exactly the same and maybe you'd sit down and then, oh, wow, this sounds just like, you know, the pub down the street. And then suddenly the words you're listening, these aren't the same words though. And there would be a connection, a hook. And so, um, that's the tradition of, of, of a large number of hymns, and I think that's just carried through today stylistically. Where we're at today would maybe mirror a little bit more of what you would hear um, elsewhere in, in, in different circles, of course. Um, and occasionally then it begs the question, okay, if we're singing to put these good words on our lips, is this the, is this the style and the hymn question comes up or whatever? And, and you guys, every once in a while, pretty regularly actually, We'll get notes from you guys. You'll fill out the communication cards and uh, there'll be people that that say um, oh, the music's too loud or I didn't like the guitar solo or whatever. Um, and uh, you're the church like you can communicate with us. You express your heart. That's totally awesome. Let us know. Just um, not about that stuff. And um, <laughs> no, it's OK. It, it really, I'm just kidding. But it really is all right to, to let us know that stuff. Um, just a heads up, though. Um, every single time we've got comments about it's, it's too loud or I didn't like the guitar solo um, or whatever it is. Every single time there's at least one comment or a matching number of comments from people going, wow, worship today was the most incredible thing I've ever heard. The music today was amazing. This is why I'm coming back. And so any given moment, there's going to be that give and take of, of preference right here within this room. And so what I would propose, what I think God would definitely propose is that for us to jointly, whether you are Catholic or Christian, whether you came from the Baptist deal or, or some non-denominational thing, you find yourself here at this moment for us to embrace the truth of God's word, the truth of who Jesus is and worship him accordingly and leave this preference stuff out of the way. I think that will leave us a lot healthier, happier, and more authentic worshipers the way that God really intended. Whenever I hear Ryan do an electric guitar thing or Raymond or whoever, to be honest, you guys, it's so worshipful for me, even if they're doing it solo, because I look at that and I go, wow, how amazing is it that God gave human beings the creativity to design these instruments that we're playing. How amazing is it that God gave the creativity in this person to play that well? And you get this little picture of, of all the fullness of who God is in this moment where somebody's just playing the guitar, but they're playing it for Him. And I think that's the best part about worship is that when we really go for it, when we really do it well, it links our present with our future. It takes the now of what you're seeing and experiencing. And when you have that filter of worship up, 
then it, it instantly gives you like a little taste of heaven, a little experience of what it might be like. And so that's where, for me, the, the biggest second piece of why we sing is that I think we sing because it reminds us that there's something bigger going on. There is something bigger going on than our worries or our concerns or our little lives or our circumstances. That when we sing, it reminds us that we're able to be a part of something bigger. Because the natural reaction, I think, for most of us is to kind of come back to this thing where it's, it's about us. It's kind of inwardly focused. And worship was never intended to be that way. And the psalmist here in this verse we were just looking at totally got that. If you look at the end of this, it's not just that we sing to put good words on our lips, but that we sing because it reminds us that we're part of something bigger. And he got that here. Look at the end of that verse 23. Whole thing says, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have redeemed. And that short, powerful phrase acknowledging I've been redeemed by God. I I, I didn't deserve anything but punishment and death because of my disobedience, my sin. But God sends His Son, Jesus, to take my place. And I'm redeemed because of that. My value is found because of that. And I can lift up my voice and sing because of that. And so in light of that truth, man, everything else just kind of pales in comparison. It shrinks down. And I realize I'm a part of something so much bigger. So Brian's going to sing a song here um, that I think is just really right on par with that. That as we kind of dive into this concept of singing because it puts good words on our lips and reminding us that we're a part of something bigger. And take this opportunity, maybe just as you see fit. So if that means for you to stay seated, that's, that's cool. If it means hitting your knees, that's cool. If it means standing, that's fine. If it's raising your hands and that go for it. But the truths in this song of a God who was and is and is to come are so huge for us that that hugeness of that God wants to get into every compartment, every area of our life so that we might worship him here and elsewhere. Before we sing together, I'd love for you to just pull out your kaleidoscope again. Um, interesting little deals, another little thing that we gave you. Um, you're wondering, what am I going to do with this when we're done? Hopefully you'll remember some of the things that we've talked about this morning. You know, um, if you look at the back side, the, the bigger side of the kaleidoscope, just turn it around and maybe don't put it up to your eye, but just kind of hold it out and try to look through it. Really hard to see. Really hard to see. And I think if you look down at it, there's on some of them there's squares, other ones have like little triangle looking things. But as we as Ron and I began to discuss this idea of a kaleidoscope and maybe allowing our lives to look like a kaleidoscope, we were we were thinking about this big side and looking down um at those squares and those triangles and realizing that there are compartments of our lives. There's our marriage, there's your kids, there's your job, there's your family, there's your neighbors, 
There's the things that you love to do outside of all of those things. There's, there's drag racing. <laughs> it's not for me. Um, but, but I think it's interesting that church has become a compartment of that. And I, there was a part of me that wanted to, to fight that it had become kind of a compartment. Because we value it so much, you know. And yet, I, it, there was some part of me that it was kind of freeing to release that, well, it is kind of a compartment of our lives. Because the, the best part about when we flip this kaleidoscope around is that all of those compartments are seen through a lens. And that lens is a crystal clear lens. And we talked a little bit earlier when Ron talked about the kaleidoscope that everything's a little more beautiful when you look through that lens. And so my hope is that that lens would represent worship and that we would begin to see all of those areas and compartments of our lives our work, our marriage, our situation, maybe your illness, through the lens of worship. Because it all becomes more beautiful when we do that. And the kingdom of God is as big as all of those things. But when we start, when we start opening our eyes to see worship in everything that we're doing, it's an amazing moment. You want to know something even cooler? I think that when we come into church, when church, when we come to this place to gather and to, to learn from the Word of God, I believe that church is an imperative part of our lives. And maybe even a, a, a bigger statement, I believe that the local church, this place, is the hope of the world. I believe that we are doing something here that is so big in the kingdom. And so to miss out on being here is to miss out on a whole lot. It's a, it's a big compartment if you will. But the coolest part is when we begin to live through the lens of worship and as we come to this place and begin to sing these songs to declare these truths after we've been living a whole life and a whole week, maybe it's just a week at a time, but every day being able to see God in our marriage, to see God in our job, to see God in the place that we don't even like to go, to see God in our illness is an amazing moment as we come to sing songs like Your Grace is Enough for Me. It's an amazing song to sing when we've been worshiping all week long. And so this word worship is so huge. It's so big. And my hope is that we wouldn't, we wouldn't dumb it down to the compartment of church, but we would allow the word worship to affect every area of our life. And that the overflow, I've heard, that, I've heard another statement said that that worship is a response to the revelation of God. And you know, God reveals and we respond. And so as we do that all week, as we get kind of in a cadence of that, if you will, we come into this scenario and it's like, man, how could you not want to lift your hands and sing? How could you not want to sing out even when you don't feel like it? Because you've been able to be relensed. That the worship of God is something that goes on all the time. And all of heaven and earth Join together to sing his praise. Isn't he a good God? He's so big. So let's just sing this together. And, uh, you know, last week I was, um, I was up at Forest Home leading a camp and um, I got a call on Saturday at like five o'clock and it was Crystal, um, who's Seth's wife, who's also works with me here in our worship ministry. And, and she was just saying, 
Um, they were, they were up in Tahoe. Seth was doing a camp last weekend, but he was going to fly home on Saturday to be here to lead worship Sunday. And uh, I got a call at like 5 o'clock Arizona time, and I was in California and six hours away from here. And, uh, and she said, Seth broke his collarbone. Well, collarbones aren't a good thing to break when you have to put a guitar over your left collarbone. Um, and so I began to scramble and to just go, oh, man, all right, God, you're going to have to show up in the middle of this one. I don't know where, where we're going. But to watch in the next few hours as the hand of God literally just orchestrated every perfect thing. And just within a matter of a couple hours, Matt Weddle was on board leading worship for you last Sunday morning. And Josiah from Crossroads up the road. I mean, just a couple phone calls and they were here. And I just heard it was an awesome day of just responding through song together. And to watch God pull that off. But the cooler part is that... Um, and I guess I'm just beginning to see God in all these different places and ways. But I was there Sunday morning, um, and I had to wake up real early. Um, for me, 7 o'clock is pretty early to be somewhere. Um, for some of you, that's an, a daily occurrence. I don't envy you for a minute. Um, and some of you love the morning, and that's great too. But I was able to be a part of this optional um, worship time um, for the high school students that were there. It's about 600 kids in camp, and 200 showed up for this deal. And... We began to sing this song, Great is Your Faithfulness, you know, True to Your Promises, and sing that chorus. We raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One. I just thought, you know, what is it about our hands? What, what is it that Paul's talking about in that passage? Why, why are our hands so important? What, what's the big deal about lifting our hands? And it was like, it just hit me. It was like, my hands are, are everything. You know, I can't wake up in the morning and put my clothes on. I can't brush my teeth. I can't type on my computer. For some of us, you can't text message without your hands. And you know who you are. <laughs> but our hands are, are, are a symbol. And I believe Paul was saying something really important. And I love the phrase that he uses. We raise up holy hands. And you realize that only a holy God can make a sinner, a sinner's hands like you and our, mine. Hands that are Holy. And so that's the mercy of God, even in that phrase. We raise up holy hands. But I thought, our hands are a symbol of our lives. You know, we, a lot is, is held up in these two little things on our body. And so to raise our hands to God and just to reach for Him. One of the ladies was at the Beth Moore thing yesterday, and after last service came up to me and said, you know, Beth Moore said that it's like God is reaching down for us, and we're reaching up for Him. There's something really big to be said about that. And it's not uger charismatic. It's, it's not for me. I hope you know it's not for me. But I believe my job is to, is to coach us, to shepherd us in, in the truths of God. And to hopefully help us to be freed up to, to worship God. But our hands are, are a symbol of our lives. And so as we lift them to God, it's like saying, God, here's my life. Here's my whole life. It's yours. It's what I want. I want it to be yours, Lord. So there's something really powerful about lifting our hands. And maybe that just isn't part of your background. Maybe you're super against it. But I just want to encourage us to be a church. You know, I hope there's a day when I don't even have to coach us in this. That we are so overwhelmed by the worship we're living out all week that there is no other response than there's not enough room to dance, you know. So we're just going to lift our hands. You know where I'm going with that? Some of us, it's just so uncomfortable. But a lot of times, and Paul says in that verse, I want him to do it without anger or disputing. And I think we dispute that a lot. You know, I don't want to be a distraction. Oh, goodness. You know, I just want to say that this place is free for us 
to just go towards the heart of God, to reach for him as he's reaching for us. God, we thank you this morning that we were made for so much more than songs. We were made for so much more than to live for this place that we call the church. And although all of those things are important and, and essential to our lives, God, we were made to live a life of worship towards you. It's a whole life, Lord. It's not just a, a place we call church. And God, that we may begin to see everything spiritual. That we may begin to see that our marriages are, are worth worshiping you in. That our children were given to us that we might raise them up in the Lord. God, that this place, the church, would be a place that is overflowing with worship that is happening all week long. Oh God, deepen our understanding of that. Not just that we would understand it, but Lord, that we would begin to live it out with our whole lives. We love you so much. You were made for it. Um, Whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, you were made to worship. And you were made to worship God. And that's why it's so easy for us to get led away to worship other things other than Him. But if you opt out of worshiping God, then the truth of the Bible, the truth of that song is that even the rocks will go ahead and worship in your place. And that is so humbling to me because I know that there have been weeks where the rocks have done more worshiping than I have. And uh, so as we live this life of worship, it can't just be about songs. It can't just be about this place, but it needs to go from this very place as we live a disciplined life of worship outside these walls. And I read this from Hebrews, and then we're done. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. It says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate, to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for that city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. We've got to take this love and grace and power of Jesus and the worship of Jesus outside the camp. And Brian always makes us sing that marvelous light song where you lift your hands and spin around. And if we're living a life of worship, it made me think, like, figuratively, what does that look like if we're the type of worshipers that in our workplace, we're lifting our hands and spinning around? Figuratively, what does it look like in our families, our circumstances, when we're alone, to live a life of lifting your hands and spinning around? Whatever it is, that's the picture that we need to have as we head out of here, figuratively. And literally, I think we need to do it right now as we close. Oh man, that that would be the song you sing in your week. But that gets stuck in your head more than the Britney or the Hanson song. (laughs) Please. Um, as we close this morning, we recognize that in this place there may be the chance 
um, that there are some people here that still go, I still don't want to sing. Um, and, and, and for those of you that maybe are feeling that way, um, we just say continue to explore with us the, the, the massive truths of who God is. Maybe for some of you it's not because you're, you're unconnected to Jesus, but your circumstances are so overwhelming that, that to even open your mouth to sing or say the things of God is just too hard. We'd love to pray for you this morning. We'd love to just hug you and listen to you. Um, and if that's what you need, at the close of the service, um, there'll be some people on our ministry team here to, to, just, to just hang out with you. And we'd love to do that. Um, hopefully it would be a blessing to you in the midst of whatever you're going through. If you need to get connected to Jesus, same thing. Those people are here to help you understand how, how to know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, why wait? <laughs> you know, It's like, why wait? It's the best thing that you can live for. It's what you were made for. Um, the last thing I want to remind us of as we leave is, um, in your, in your um, program as you came in, there's a little pamphlet in there that says Daily Worship. And basically last week, um, one of the kind of fun ideas that we had for kind of embracing this initiative of worship um, was to create an, a worship experience for you every day um, online. And so there's a video um, kind of webisode thing with uh, our pastors that are teaching on that. And then I'm leading some worship um, with some of my friends on that um, every day. And so they'll post um, and be ready for you in the morning, um, most likely. And uh, there's just, it's just a 20, 25-minute experience um, that we hope will bless you. And if you, if you have a devotion time already set in your day, then write on and maybe put that to the side for the week. And, and, and I just encourage you to, to, to jump on that online. Um, so that'll start tomorrow morning and go through Friday. And then uh, lastly, I would, just, um, I would just say, as you leave this place, would you go and lift your hands and spin around in every place of your life? And would, would it all become worship, that this place would explode on Sunday with the worship that we've lived all week? God bless you as you go, and we'll talk to you soon.